Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. And we're back with another episode of Royally Obsessed, back to our regularly scheduled programming. We hope you tuned in last week to our crown recap with Tariro. That was so much fun. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. I loved last week's episode. It was so fun. It was so nice to go through the whole season with you. Rachel, we have a lot to discuss, and we're in the midst of packing for our big trip to Boston. It's chaos right now, honestly, on my end. I know. I am going to be completely candid that I was up with just, like, excitement until 2 a.m. I'm calling it excitement. Slight organizational jitters, but it's all right. It's all coming together, but we want to get into all of it in this episode the main, main subject for this whole chat. The British are coming and they are coming to Boston. Kate and William are heading to the U.S. They fly tomorrow, right? Wednesday? Yes, yes. They get in tomorrow. I've seen and and they're going to be in City Plaza tomorrow. We're maybe going to go by and see them when we get in. It's all happening. It's all happening. All right. We're also talking about the Queen's health in her final days, the big state banquet, all those tiaras, and so much more, Roberta. We have a lot to catch up on from last week that we didn't get to talk about that special episode about the crown, but now we get to dig into it all. But first, as always, our royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Clink, clink, clink. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. I'm so excited to cheers with you in person. Tomorrow. All week. Not just tomorrow. All week. (laughs) And a toast to Earthshot and our event honoring it this week. We're sipping the Pale Rosé, which is going to be at our event. We're so excited to be pouring up that rosé. It's delicious. It's called the Pale because it's so light in color and it's not too sweet, which rosé can tend to be. It's perfect for this. It's also got the most beautiful wine label, which I do have to admit I care about. (laughs) Great Gatsby vibes. It's just stunning. I think I've Instagrammed it before. It's really beautiful. Oh, there's no shame in that. Rachel, how was your Thanksgiving before we get into everything? Oh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving was really relaxing and just super low-key. I feel like Thanksgiving is such a good holiday because there's no gift pressure, but I did do some Black Friday shopping, I will admit. <laughs> Ooh, anything Royals-related? I guess we can get into it later. Yeah, well, I did actually buy – I don't know if I told you about this years ago, but Matt, a long time ago, got me a gift card to Lingua Franca – And I finally spent it with the sweater because I couldn't decide what to put as my little um, cursive sort of statement on my sweater. And I just finally bit the bullet, Roberta, and I got one that says royally obsessed. Yes. (laughs) Wait, are you debuting this this weekend? I am not because I just ordered it a couple days ago. Terrible, terrible timing, but I'm very excited about it. So I cannot wait to see. It's like five years since I got the gift certificate. I got a lilac color, which is pretty, and then hopefully a blue font. So Mm. we'll see. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to want a matching one. Yeah, (laughs) I know. know Exactly. Exactly. How was your holiday? You were in North Carolina. It was beautiful. It was 
so so nice yeah we had a house on a lake in cashers and the highlands it was so relaxing and so nice to be with family i also wanted to shout out this picture click this link the okay, spencer's thanksgiving so i'm just loving that karen spencer is like oversharing at this point all about their life at althorpe how gorgeous is that table oh my goodness was this a state banquet this right there was another state banquet and it was the spencer's house at althorpe yeah it's amazing and so they she shared it in conjunction with this spencer 1508 thing that she's been doing and i'm loving all the updates i have the emails i save all of them they're so good i also feel like just the candlelit dinner with just a regular candle like in paris i went to a restaurant and they had that i just mm. i love candlelight it's who so doesn't fancy. that's like it the most ele- obvious no, thing to say <laughs> those those like tall skinny candles just elevate all the tables All right. Should we get into our listener email? Yes, please. This is actually a DM from Anne. She said, I disagree with your crown take that it's a favorable look at Charles. So many scenes undermine Queen Elizabeth II, as in Charles undermines her in so many scenes. Do we have any regrets about this hot take? So I I hear Anne's point there. I mean, he there are moments, but I still feel like overall he just comes across as an innovator that wants to shake things up and modernize. Mm-hmm. And you've got the good looks of Dominic West that I think it just puts him in a in a better light, even though he is trying to undermine Queen Elizabeth at different times. What do you think? Yeah, I also feel the same. I think that him kind of going behind her back at some points to talk to John Major about ascending the throne early and, you know, not being upset about the article that came out. It's only because he's trying to modernize the monarchy. So it even seems like they justify it in the show versus Mm -hmm. making it seem bad. And his, I think too, like the Prince's Trust episode where there's even a call out to all the work he's done in that like dance scene. Like, I just feel like it was such a commercial for Charles. That one in particular. I stand my ground on this, but Anne, I respect your opinion. And and please send us more hot takes on the crown. We actually really love to read those and we want to talk about it more. I feel like that episode came and went and I want to talk about the crown. Season I could watch more. it again, honestly, over Christmas break. Me too. All right, Roberta, this week in royal history. And now... This week in Royal History. How apropos, we're flashing back to Kate and William's New York City visit on December 7th, 2014, the last time that they were in the United States. Very, very exciting. Uh, that was a three-day tour. They stayed at the Carlisle Hotel, they, which was Princess Diana's preferred spot, by the way, and also where we saw Harry and Meghan have a date night when they were here for their UN visit. Um, they went to a black tie fundraiser for the University of St. Andrews at the Met, which is very glamorous. They visited the 9-11 Memorial, the top of the Empire State Building, and more. There was also the arm wrap heard around the world when, <laughs> at the Brooklyn Nets game. LeBron James, how dare he put his arm around Kate Middleton for a photo op. And I watched some recaps on like Good Morning America and things like that. And it was not the protocol breach that everyone made it out to be. I think that everyone was just up in arms and it made headlines the UK and world over. Well, Rachel, you were there. So tell us what it was like in person. (laughs) I know. I was like really looking for photos from when I went, but it's so long ago that they aren't even on my current device. I don't even know if I had an iPhone. Eight years ago. Does that feel like eight years ago? 
It honestly feels like yesterday to me, which is a little staggering that it was that long ago, but it was such an amazing thing. I was so glad that Matt supported me on that and getting the tickets. We were in the nosebleed seats. I've were talked tickets about this insane? before. Like, were I think we paid expensive? $60, but we were again oh. in the nosebleeds. And I remember I could see like Prince William and Kate Middleton's head. They were on our side, but it was mostly viewing the Jumbotron. And I think my main memory is also the fact that they got there closer to halftime and it was like, I felt like they really were in a fishbowl. That was just the focus mm. of the whole game. I don't even know how the basketball players played. And then the moment <laughs> when Beyonce and Jay-Z came across the court to meet them, it was just like, <gasps> it was so exciting. But Amazing. I kept saying to Matt, I was breathing royal air, which is what's going to happen to us this week. So very exciting. I know. I know. And if there will be another sports moment, because obviously there's a lot of sports in Boston, some huge teams and games this week. So we'll have to see if that, I mean, Kate and sports. Like it is a perfect marriage. So it is. I'm, I'm it excited. is. And well, and I did also want to call out the fact that when she was here the last time, she was pregnant with Charlotte. She was five months mm. pregnant. I remember she had this beautiful Seraphine maternity coat that was stunning. It turned me onto that brand. She had to have um, an ambulance with her on hand just because of anything. And that's news that broke today that they will also have a doctor for the first time traveling with them on this tour to Boston because of their elevated status as the Prince and Princess of Wales. Anyways, it was just a very exciting time, which leads us perfect timing into our chat about their newly released Boston schedule. What we know so far, they're going to Boston City Hall. As you mentioned, they'll meet with Mayor Michelle Wu and Ambassador Caroline Kennedy. They'll head to Somerville to the Greentown Labs. Kate on Friday will have a solo visit to the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard University. And then Prince William is going to tour the JFK Library and Museum. And then, drum roll, can I get a drum roll? Um, Earthshot, which also had a great list of celebs that were confirmed and really lighting Boston aglow with star power. Billie Eilish, Rami Malik, remember the babysitting duties? Yes, yes. Ellie Golding. Catherine O'Hara, Shailene Woodley, and Sir David Attenborough, although I can't tell if he's going to be a video appearance or in person. Out of all of these stars, aside from Kate and William, obviously, who are you most excited about? Rami and David Attenborough. <laughs> that, I just love picks. this the spectrum. What about you? I I like Shailene Woodley. And I also, Me too. I think ba- Billie Eilish is kind of random, but I, I mean, that's also a huge name. I think that's amazing. They, how they pulled out all these names. It's like a music festival in the middle of Boston. And I know it's, it's huge. Like, it's so incredible. huge. And I love that they're staffers in all the conversations around this event. They're calling it the Super Bowl moment. Like somehow that's being branded and thrown around. And I think there's also been a lot of press recently about how important and much pressures on this trip to save their royal image. And I did like what Tina Brown kind of talked about because it makes you think like, is this splashy enough, Roberta? Is what what we know, what we're expecting going into the week, we get to follow up next week after attending. um, Does this feel exciting? And Tina Brown said, no, 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 we need... Bradley Cooper whirling Kate around the ballroom, like the John Travolta moment for it to have that same sizzle and temperature turning up the heat. What do you think? I do think that it is a little, um, I won't say unfortunate, but it is a little limiting in that they're only going to be in Boston versus maybe going to DC while they're here. I mean, if they're America trips, Royal tours of the U S are once every eight years, I would love to see them visit some other cities, come to Philly, get a (laughs) cheesesteak, you know, recreate that Philly Eagles jacket that Diana had. That's so memorable. So I would love to have her have them, you know, do a, do a big grand tour of the U.S. That being said, I think this is going to just be so many incredible 
big photo moments and I can't believe that we're going to be and there maybe in they'll person. Be, and yeah, and maybe there'll be a surprise detour because when they were in New York City, William took the train to DC to see Obama and I don't think that was on the schedule. It was a private meetup. Yeah, we got some DMs from our listeners too um, via Instagram that they have, you know, heard whispers of what events are coming and some of them are outside of Boston. That being said, they're not like in DC or New York, but it could happen. It's not that far. I'm taking a one hour plane, so very possible. Two other things I want to mention quickly, the Sussexes. There was a comment made in some of the press, you know, sources say that Kate and William will not be distracted by what others are doing or other activities that are coming up. That, of course, could be interpreted as a reference to Harry and Meghan and the fact that they'll be in New York City for the Ripple of Hope Gala on December 6th. We also got an amazing, wonderful question from um, – splashing this into this section from a DM from Caitlin. She said, hi, any thoughts on where would be the best spot to see the Royals in Boston? Hoping to have a Laura Ann moment. Roberta, what do you think? I love a Laura Ann moment. I feel like it has to be that big city hall gathering on Wednesday, although it's going to rain. So we're going to have to bring Because that's outside. Yeah. I need to pack an umbrella. I just remember that. I'm just like, I can pack one for you. Okay. Just send me what you um, forget. Okay, perfect. Um, what else? Also outside of MGM and Fenway. So Rachel and I are staying right there. And so we'll be able to hop across. But I feel like that could be a good moment if they shake hands before the Earthshot event. I know. Also Somerville. Like that's pretty mm. low key. I feel like, you know, that area, I'm curious if you wanted to just see Kate or just see William, some of those smaller kind of off the beaten path engagements might be a good opportunity. Basically everything. Just, yeah, you know, yeah. keep the schedule I mean, in your calendar. <laughs> I do. Th- I think I saw something like there's so many other events that we don't know about yet that they'll be coming in and out of buildings across the city. So I mean, just be on your toes, I guess. I don't know. Harvard, <laughs> you could try to get like somewhere near that center that she's visiting for child development. So I I just think that there's going to be so many opportunities. And, and we'll be there for wait. them. Can't wait. I All know. right. Last thing is that Earthshot is supposed to air on PBS on December 14th. So if you cannot make it, you will be able to catch it in the U.S. and December 4th in the U.K., right? On the BBC. Yeah. And follow along with us. At, I'm at Robbie Frito on Instagram. Rachel. And I'm at RKBNYC. And on the Royally Obsessed podcast, of course. So we'll be posting all about our trip to Boston there. Hopefully some royal sightings as well. All right, next up. First news is this insight into the queen's health in her final days. A new book from Giles Brandreth called Elizabeth, an Intimate Portrait was serialized in the Daily Mail. And the biggest reveal that everyone's talking about is that he says through sources he's heard the queen actually died from myeloma, which is a bone marrow cancer. It's especially prevalent in older people, and it causes bone pain. That could explain her tiredness, the frailty, the mobility issues we heard about in the last few years of her life. There's some other big reveals as well, um, mostly you know, Harry and Meghan, she had a very strong love for both of them, but she said that Harry might have been moving too fast. Um, Giles also says that the queen thought that Lilibet's nickname was pretty and seems just right, which I feel like really shuts down the haters about whether the queen would have approved of that. Also, this reveal that Prince Philip and the Queen never spent a lot of time together in the last few years, although they were able to in the COVID bubble at Windsor, which was really special for them, and they actually really enjoyed that, but that she wasn't able to make it to his side on his um, 
for his last dying breath, which is so sad and such a huge reveal. I feel like that we'll get into whether these feel true or not. Um, One of the other things was on the bombshells told by the couple to Oprah Winfrey, the queen was more concerned with Harry's well-being rather than, quote, this television nonsense, she called it. I think that's kind of like a grandmotherly thing to say and feels right that she was more concerned with Harry's mental health than anything. Um, So the author's royal credentials. I feel like we should That's what I was going to ask about you. This. Yeah. 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 He's been friends with Camilla since he was a teenager, supposedly. He actually hosted a birthday luncheon for her when she turned 75. He was also friends, supposedly, with Prince Philip, and that gave him access to the queen. He wrote about that in these serialized excerpts for the Daily Mail. But then there was this review in The Guardian, which I found really enlightening. It's about his first book, and it's called Philip and Elizabeth, The Portrait of a Marriage. It was published in 2004. This reviewer <laughs> says, this is just kind of a funny quote, the product of a sweatily overheated imagination, the kind of imagination a snob possesses, elated by a dizzy dream of high society and of his own exclusive access to it. It's wishful thinking about his intimacy with the Windsors, which mm. to me seems like this person is like kind of taking away the credit from him and he is wishful thinking. But I don't know. I mean, he does have this connection with Camilla, which is really interesting. I feel like there could be some truth only because we did see so many headlines about the mobility issues, but she was also 96. I mean, and then there's the question of, do we really even need to know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. Like Omid wrote, like, you know, on the crown, the Daily Mail is continuously criticizing the crown for being too true to life, but then they pay to serialize a book about the queen's private health matters. I mean, should they be kept private? Does she have the right, or as a public figure, does she give that up? Well, I think, again, the hard part is just it's all according to sources, which is the forever mm-hmm. problem. It's like you have to, as the reader, as the consumer, as the fan of the royal family, do your own research and assessment of what is truth and what is false. And I think that that's the challenge. And it takes us back to the princes in the press, which I really want to rewatch that too. Well, and at the end of the day, an author tries to sell books, right? So he's, you know, anything that garners headlines is good PR for the book. And so I think, and it sells copies. And so regardless- You would hope there's a commitment to truth too. Oh, totally. And I, that's why I'm wondering if there is like, do you cross the line with the legality of it? I mean, can the palace privately go after someone that is actually writing and publishing things that aren't true? And if they don't, does that make them true then? You know what I'm saying? So I, just, I guess is like the never complain, never explain <laughs> sometimes just really, yeah, big questions. I do want to mention, though, it's funny because this kind of reminded me of, you know, the crown and the Daily Mail and then this, all these Queen's private health matters and the respect for her privacy splashed across that newspaper. And then to think, you know, it's funny that Vogue Australia, you saw the Tyndalls were both yes. in it for this special uh, issue. Beautiful so, clothes. I will say oh I gosh. want everything that Zara is wearing. Gorgeous. But. And there's like some other royal people in it, Nacho Figueres, who's yes. friends with Prince Harry. There's a lot of people, but also Elizabeth Vicky in The Crown. And so it's like, the royals, there's such a gray area with what they, I don't know, that's that's my thesis, I guess, is that this is really such a gray area. I don't know if we should know that what if she had myeloma or not. Yeah, we're also just seeing so many more of these types of interviews, too, where it's not necessarily talking about 
the inside scoop on the royal family, but it is fascinating to see them in the press doing these first person interviews so much, right? Yeah. Like the Vogue yeah, Australia. Yeah, it feels like a lot more since she passed, passed away. away. Yeah. All right, the state banquet. I I I want a lot of sound effects in this episode for some reason. Um, I but just, the- like hold up my glass of rosé and cheers. <laughs> for this. Cheers, cheers. This was Charles's first date dinner, Roberta. This was huge. I personally loved the Instagram moment where we saw him and Camilla. There was no music. I kept tapping them, just checking the setup. Did you see that on the no. royal family Instagram? They walk. I saw in. the one where they're making all the food, which I want to talk about. This is when we're Kate. And, sorry, this is when we're Camilla and Charles just walk in and they're like looks good like but it's all there's no audio so they're just looking at the setup um but as a reminder the king hosted Sorel Ramaphosa the president of South Africa last week at Buckingham Palace this was something that was in the works by the way since from Queen Elizabeth's reign so she had wanted this this reception to take place a state banquet but then COVID happened so it was delayed for multiple years. And now it is officially, it happened back on. This means there's about two state banquets a year in normal times, and it is an occasion for tiaras and black tie. White tie. White tie. (laughs) So we saw Kate, surprise, she wore the lover's knot tiara, which is really pretty much her go-to. I was looking back and in the past, she's worn the lotus flower and the Cartier at her wedding, but the lover's knot, which was a treasure of Diana's that was passed along to Kate, originally Queen Elizabeth's, mouthful there. Um, and originally before Queen Elizabeth, it belonged to Queen Mary and commissioned by her in 1913. Seems to be a staple for Kate. Would you agree? I was a little, yeah, and I was a little disappointed because I think seeing a new tiara would have been so fun. But I think this is her go-to. It went well with the dress. So it was I guess stunning. And the dress I was Jenny Packham <laughs> called the Elspeth, um, which means Elizabeth in Scottish. So a beautiful nod to the queen. It was a cape dress. It had those bejeweled shoulders. Um, she also had the Diana earrings, the pearl bracelet that was Queen Elizabeth's. And this really was a big grand entrance to her for her because it was her first tiara occasion as the Princess of Wales. So exceptional to see her. I thought she looked just stunning. Then you had Camilla, not to only talk about the ladies, but these were the two that stood out for me. Oh, yeah. We can only talk about the ladies. Yeah. (laughs) The Belgian Sapphire Tiara. I feel like a lot of people that we follow on Instagram are like, these choices were not on their bingo cards, but that's what happened. Um, This Tiara belonged to Queen Elizabeth. And... Camilla, Go Sustainability, repurposed her blue Bruce Oldfield dress from the British Vogue shoot, which also was a nod to the color of the Commonwealth flag. So. Yeah, I think, too, just so close to Earthshot, I would have loved to see Kate kind of repeat or rework even a gown. And so that kind of was a little bit of a miss. I don't get me wrong, love Jenny Peckham, love the cape dress, but I do think that she could have really had such a good sustainability message moment there. I know. And I was reading in Vogue about her choice. And a lot of people were saying it was a nod to Diana's 1989 moment where it was actually the Elvis dress where she wore the lover's knot. And that, remember the one where it's all bejeweled or it has the pearls on it? Um, So it really felt Diana-esque and it being her first huge, like, step out as the Princess of Wales, maybe that was why that choice yeah, you was made. Yeah, you got for a new gown. Yeah, yeah because totally. Kate has really been kind of paired back. I will say above and beyond for me was what Kate wore to the Corinthia Hotel to welcome the South African Same. president. The plum Amelia Wickstead dress with the matching Sean G. Barrett pillbox hat mm-hmm. and then William's 
matching tie was like stunning. Okay. Yes, yeah. you did it. <laughs> yeah. The makeup too for that day. I guess maybe they had like I don't know if they had just thought they could ride that out into the night probably not she probably got it all redone but her makeup and hair for this moment too like those images are so striking of Kate, and yet it feels very formulaic to who she is like as a dresser like that is yes. her uniform that is her rainbow queen moment yes oh i loved it i loved it um but yeah i thought it was interesting the seating chart charles and kate were on either side of the south african president and camilla and william were on the south african foreign minister so i I thought it was interesting how they divided and conquered for that setup and i liked that kate really it seemed like got along so well with the president because they were chatting in the beginning of charles's speech and i was like okay they're having too good of a conversation to stop we've all been there but kate really seemed to hit it off and they you know, I mean, it must be such uh, a joy to be seated next to her, I feel like. So the menu, though, Rachel, I want to talk about this. Tell me if this is anything you've ever heard of. A starter of grilled brill with wild mushrooms and truffles with a sorrel sauce. I definitely don't know what brill or sorrel is. Do you? I think sorrel is a type of mushroom. Okay, so it's mushrooms on mushrooms on mushrooms. Cool. So it, entree, the main course, was a Windsor pheasant filled with artichokes, Keen's compote, and a port sauce. This is fancy. And also, they are obviously so conscious about what they're eating, and especially for the state banquet. I feel like they have a French chef. The menus are in French. It's all very fancy. But I don't know. Pheasant, would you? I would be – I think I'd be too nervous to eat if we were even there. But I don't know. I wouldn't (laughs) – I wouldn't be – I guess this is sustainable because it's from Windsor. So that makes sense that they used Windsor pheasant. But it was just interesting. Yeah. Well, I thought it was crazy that apparently there were a thousand glasses, wine glasses used. They get six six glasses per person at at every place setting. Wow. Imagine that dishwasher afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully an actual dishwasher versus a person. Um, Okay. And finally on this front, Roberta, quick King Charles report card. Um, I think the big elephant in the room was the jewels. And people thought that, or there's a lot of conversation that this is an opportunity for Charles to start talking about reparations. He's still, the, the palace, the monarchy is still in possession of the great star of Africa, which is 500 carats. And it was, it's the largest diamond in the world. And it was mined in South Africa in 1905 and is now branded on the Royal website as a birthday gift that was given to Queen Elizabeth II's great grandfather. It's just a question of if Charles will have to answer for this. And he did, you know, mention that there are elements of history that provoke profound sorrow. It's essential that we seek to understand them. That was part of his speech. And that's further than it's gone before at an event like this. But it still really isn't enough. And even in the time South Africa, 83% of readers in a poll that was published after the state visit said that they wanted their president to come back with the stolen gems. Wow. You have to imagine that behind closed doors, there's got to be talks about this too. But I do think like Charles, and I think rightly so, got a lot of props in the press for mentioning this in his speech and really going into it. He also mentioned climate change and how they needed to protect biodiversity. I feel like he's making progress. We know it's such a slow wheel of progress for the royals, but he is talking about it, which is a good first step. Yeah, I think that what there was a piece about Charles in the Atlantic this week, and it talks about really, though, how King Charles, his legacy may come down to righting the wrongs of the past and how he handles that. So it is a slow burn to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And he potentially is the right leader to do that. We just have to wait and see. 
final, final, not related to the state banquet. I This happened today. This quick shout out to Queen Camilla, Roberta, that she hosted a reception for royal women around the world today to discuss the global pandemic of violence against women. Queen Rainia was there. Elena Zelenska was there. Queen Mathilde of Belgium was there. Sophie, Countess of Wessex, was there. I just love that Camilla, this is her first speech in this role. And it's a controversial cause, you could call it that. You know, it's it's not something that's like architecture or something, you know, the arts. It's very intense. And I, I really am impressed that she she's worked really hard to put it in the spotlight. I found it so striking, too, that photo of all three queens. I guess Crown Princess Mary is not queen. But just to see Camilla there in her rightful place and then kind of to see so much of the backlash on Instagram and like just a, a peek inside to what they experience with threats and trolls and all the, these really rude and nasty comments about her appearance. And I don't know, in 2022, can we not be a little bit more considerate about women's appearances? Like, I just mm-hmm. felt like that was so backward. And so I uh, just, it just made me, my stomach hurt to think, um, I don't know. We've, we've come so far with Camilla. I mean, you and I are still like... <laughs> No, I I feel like I'm moving forward with her. Yeah, my and I, I think that's the best we can hope for. Like we can't go back and change what happened in the past, but we can move forward. And we love the royals, and she is now she's doing Queen good work. Camilla, and she's doing good work, and she's always really been by Charles's side and so supportive. And I think that this reception was an incredible way for her to start, you know, her speech making and hopefully see more of that and more of this work as well. I, I also loved, we didn't even get to talk about the Paddington Bear thing and the taxis. Oh my gosh. That was such a fun thing too. There's so much to talk about. We, so much was on the cutting room floor. I feel like really stressed about that, but we just, so much moving forward towards Earth Shot, so. But such a, like a fun cause for her to take up and something that is obviously a PR move and obviously polishing her image for all the but public. so creative and genius. But really heartwarming. Really hard. I can't help and but also, like, No, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> there was a video of her like interacting with a child, but like really kind of forced or stiff. And I just feel so bad because that's obviously just one little moment in the context of this wonderful event and donation that she did. But it just got circulate on social media of course as all things do. And you have to have I, I think we have to give them so much grace for how how they deal with this on a daily basis. I don't even want to be filmed recording this podcast because I don't want to put makeup on, you know? So it's like those (laughs) things where they like, they have everything about them dissected so much. And I think to give them like a little bit of, I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of room to mess up, make mistakes and also move forward. Yes, yes. I will say I want to, I would love to meet the person that took the photos of Paddington all over the place still. That was so brilliant too. (laughs) Or the cab drivers. What a fun, like, she, what a like, fun to, job. I mean, can you imagine getting a call as a cab driver and then it's like, hello, I'm Queen Camilla. I know. I kind of want to get Finn a Paddington a ornament for Christmas. Would that be fun? Or I just want someone to give it to me, a Paddington ornament. It's so cute, Done. right? Done. No, I, mean, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> Fine. All right, should we go to the highs and lows? Let's do it. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. 
All right, my low this week is this news. We're not sure if it's true or not, but the Duchess of Edinburgh title would be given to Charlotte. I should say the Duke of Edinburgh title would be given to Charlotte as Duchess of Edinburgh. The Mail on Sunday has the rumor that it is going to her instead of her great uncle Edward because of this slimmed down monarchy that Charles wants and it would also honor the queen's legacy which is what the palace sources are saying that if Charlotte was the Duchess of Edinburgh then that's what the queen was when when Philip became Duke of Edinburgh before their wedding so I guess my question I feel really bad for Edward is the bottom line that's why this is my low like I just think that he deserves it he's put in the work Sophie too why is Charles taking it away from his brother? I know, it's kind of confusing. I think that Charlotte could be Princess Royal, or she... But this does elevate Charlotte's status if George doesn't have kids, and Charlotte would then become queen. So that's an Which interesting is also concept. Cool. Yeah. yeah, but poor Edward. Oof. Poor Edward. I hope he gets it. I hope this is wrong. Yeah. All right, my low is... Hear me out on this, but Kate's Telegraph essay about the under fives. I absolutely love Kate. You guys know this. I was excited to see that she had penned an op-ed for about this in the Telegraph, but I just felt frustrated as a reader that there still wasn't any call to action. You know, even one of these quotes I was going to read, we have to fully appreciate those most preventative years and do everything we can to nurture our children and those who care for them just stops there. And I think because as a mom, I'm just so hungry for insight. And I know Kate has so many, so much wisdom in this arena. She is reportedly just a sponge at events, reads all the data, really, really cares. I want her to tell me how to parent. And maybe that's too much to ask because no one should tell you how to parent. I do know that. But I think I would love to hear a couple of her takeaways for how I can be really maximizing these uh, these first five years. I do think too in seeing. Yeah, no, the monologues in this episode are killing it. I do feel like we just did an actress thing. Um, I do feel though like this is interesting because it's the two-year anniversary of Megan's essay in the New York Times, The Losses We Share, and how specific that was and how a lot of things that she revealed about her own personal struggles, I wish Kate would have done that here. That's all. That's just all a little say. bit more of an intimate and specifics. Even going back to when Kate did that podcast, I just loved the specificity. And so hopefully we'll see a lot more of this. I get the sense that this is just a jumping off point. There's more to come, but you know, wanted more. Okay. Rachel, I had too many highs. I was going to do Christmas decorations for the Royals, I was going to do archetypes because we saw the final episode incredible but I think my high is this news I missed while I was out all week last week which is that the Sussexes Netflix docuseries drops December 8th that's next Thursday we're going to be seeing their docuseries on Netflix next Thursday they're also in New York for that gala that you mentioned on Tuesday I wonder if they'll be doing any press in New York for this docuseries I'm really oh interested to Jimmy Fallon what happened to Jimmy Fallon <laughs> That was Remember? weird. We didn't we even said get we were going to talk about that. I know. <laughs> I was going to tack on though, really quick to your high. Did you see the deux moi? Are we allowed to talk about deux moi on here? The two, the blind uh, entry about deux moi. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I love you. Um, there was a blind item over Thanksgiving, in case anyone missed it, that the significant other of this famous ginger is going to be on social media soon. So. I wonder oh if that will coincide. God. There's been a lot I of rumblings, it, but I one of her episodes recently, her second to last one said they talked about the benefits of social media. And I was like, what? Megan, what? This is what? out of nowhere. What? what? All right. So, exciting. Yeah. Okay. 
My high of the week is Earthshot, of course, but <laughs> going way out of left field, there is a <laughs> there is a Prince Andrew musical that is about to come to fruition on Channel 4. It is the 40th anniversary of the station. You got to listen to this, Roberta. It's one hour in length. There's going to be seven musical numbers about the controversies from Andrew's life. It includes Oof. solos sung by the character of Charles. It's going to talk about the songs will be about his divorce from Fergie, his Newsnight interview. It's the writer who is also going to be playing Andrew, Kieran Hodgson, said, The story of Prince Andrew's tragedy and farce rolled into one, so why not add musical for good measure? Andrew. <laughs> the shame, the shame. One of our listeners actually DM'd this to us, and I could not believe it when I saw this headline in Variety. So that will be something to tune into if you're watch. in the UK. Yeah. Oh, my God. We need a it's little just... comedy. Come on. Round out the year. I guess. Can we laugh about this? Is it? Is it oh, we know. can definitely laugh about it, but I and cry. No, <laughs> Charles. Like what? Like what is he going to do with all this scandal with his brother? I don't know. All right, just a reminder before we close: leave us a royal rating, pretty please. We love reading your reviews, especially five stars. We would love that. Also, subscribe so you never miss an episode, and follow us in Boston, our travels and our royal sightseeing on Instagram, Royally Obsessed Podcast. Email us. If you have any more crown hot takes or you think that we were wrong about something in the season, we want to know. Info at gallerypodcasts.com. Till next week. God God save the the pod. pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.